the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we are feeling, feeling feline. We have an all-cat-based episode for you guys. We are going to... Meow. Meow. Right meow, we're going to talk some cat movies. Right meow? Right, uh, right meow. Okay. And uh, we're starting things off back in 1970. We are going to discuss the Disney film Aristocats. Then we are going to review uh, the 90s action cartoon SWAT Cats and follow things up by doing a casting of the Image Comics property Wildcats. So uh, now there was a cartoon for Wildcats, but neither of us watched that. So yeah. we didn't give a crap, you know, but SWAT Cats is something in our nostalgia. So we wanted to give that one a go. John, 1970, uh, one of our older films mm-hmm. that we've had on the show. Could you uh, set our minds back then? So the movie was released on December 24th, uh, 1970. Mm-hmm. So right, uh, right in time for Christmas. The Billboard Top 100 single that week is a classic. It is Tears of a Clown by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. That is a gorgeous song. Really love that song. Smokey Robinson has an amazing voice. I could listen to him sing all day. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, there were no Nielsen ratings for that week. Back then, up until the 70s, uh, the Nielsen ratings would have what they called Black Weeks, where they would have a week where they did no ratings whatsoever because everything being shown was either a rerun or just the news or something like that. They stopped doing that later and started just including everything regardless. Um, But in this particular week, there was a black week, so there were no Nielsen ratings. Okay. Uh, The New York Times bestseller was a book called Love Story by Eric Siegel, which was actually a novelization of the screenplay he wrote for the movie Love Story. Okay. Yeah, I've definitely heard of the movie. Uh, obviously, no video games, per se, to talk about. However, uh, Parker Brothers did release a game that year that I used as a question on Throwback Trivia Takedown, and that was a game called Masterpiece, uh, which was like selling art or something like that was the basis yeah, like of it. like an auction game. Yeah. Uh-huh. Didn't really sound all that appealing to me. Yeah, but uh, okay. but it's the it was the game that was there, so maybe people, then. Yeah, Rowan Ward actually, I remember made a comment because they uh, listened to that episode and then went berserk and was like, "I used to play that game." So <laughs> yeah, awesome, perfect. Uh, and Adam, in 1970, Orville Redenbacher paid an advertising company thirteen thousand dollars to come up with a name for his popcorn company. Their advice: call it Orville Redenbacher. Smart. <laughs> it works, man. That is the that is the number one name in popcorn, in my opinion. Yep. All right. That was 1970. All right. Well, now, John, now that I'm feeling like a cat, we all know everybody wants to be a cat. And let's talk Aristocats.
Aristocats 1970. This film was directed by Wolfgang Reitherman. Uh, he also directed 101 Dalmatians, Sword in the Stone, Jungle Book, Robin Hood, The Rescuers, Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. So we've already talked about him actually a couple times uh, as we've talked Robin Hood and The Rescuers already. Yeah. All my old school uh, Disney favorites. Sword in the Stone is another one that I'm a big fan of. Yeah, yeah that, that'll definitely hit the list at some point. Uh, the music in this movie was done by George Bruns. Uh, he did the music for Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier, uh, Sleeping Beauty, 101 Dalmatians, Jungle Book, also uh, The Love Bug, and Robin Hood. Okay. So a lot, a lot of Disney stuff yeah. under his belt. Uh, the cast. Thomas O'Malley is voiced by the great Phil Harris. Uh, we all recognize his voice as Little John in Robin Hood. Baloo in Jungle Book is probably his biggest Voice, I think that a lot of people know him from. Yeah. And he was the narrator in Rockadoodle, because yep. we talked Rockadoodle yep. back then. Duchess is voiced by Ava Gabor. We talked to her about her in The Rescuers and The Rescuers Down Under. Uh, she also was in Green Acres, yep. very famously. Berlois is one of the kids, the three different cats, the kittens. Uh, Berlois was voiced by Dean Clark. This was his only film. Marie was voiced by Liz English. This was her only film. And Toulouse was voiced by Gary Dublin, who was in Jaws 2, a couple other things. The movie that really caught my eye, he was in a movie called, and I think he actually was a producer on it as well, The Jizz Master, <laughs> as well as The Jizz Master Part 2. It was a short. There was a sequel. The Jizz Master was so good, they made a sequel. <laughs> yeah, so that was interesting. And then the last one I'm going to talk about here, because I'm, I'm going to bring up pretty much every voice mm -hmm. uh, on the movie, because there's, there's a name with all of them. Um, Edgar was voiced by uh, Roddy Maud Ruxby. Ruxby. Um, he was in a good bit of episodes on Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In, a bunch of small things, a lot of small parts that I noticed with him. Okay. So uh, this film had a budget of $4 million, which is obviously minuscule in today's standard, but back then, decent size. Uh, but it made, currently, this is a, they have re-released it, like a few times in the theaters but overall it's made a 191 million dollars in the theaters wow that is pretty impressive and it only is 78 minutes long yeah. this is like a sh this is a short film yeah. to get through it's fairly it's fairly easy to get through actually yeah did you show it to your kids we had already watched it uh last okay. year when uh, we were when the kids were kind of stuck at home and locked down for a bit we went through every single disney animated film in order Oh wow! Starting with um, Snow White, that is Im that is impressive. So they had already seen it, but uh, my daughter did watch the whole thing with me. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that she, you know, jumped on that train. She's an animal lover, big time. Yeah, so. she cool. loves cats. All right, so um, I assume you watched this on Disney Plus. I did, and I assume you noticed the disclaimer at the beginning. I did. Yeah, that was something interesting. I, had, I didn't expect it, but Disney added a disclaimer onto the start of this, uh, this movie, and so I'm going to read that in its entirety. This program includes negative depictions and or mistreatment of people and or cultures. These stereotypes were wrong then and are wrong now. Rather than remove this content, we want to acknowledge its harmful impact, learn from it, and spark conversation to create a more inclusive future together. Disney is committed to creating stories with inspirational and aspirational themes that reflect the rich diversity of the human experience around the globe. To learn more about how stories have impacted society, visit www.whocares.disney.com slash stories matter. 100%, I think this is because of Scat Cat's band. Yes. Particularly the Chinese, the Siamese cat. Yes, which my 
daughter did take notice of because Siamese is her favorite type of cat. When we saw this, she goes, yeah, that's pretty racist. <laughs> and and yes, and is. she was actually she was she was upset about it because like they're ruining her favorite cat. That's a smart girl right there. Yeah, that's pretty racist. Yeah. I will say I do appreciate that disclaimer and I appreciate that they did that and didn't change the movie. Yeah, 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 I agree. Do not cut it out, do not reanimate it, whatever. History is something to learn from. And yes, this was a time when those kind of stereotypes were part of comedy. Mm-hmm. But take it in its context and learn from the context and put it up there and be like, hey, we know that we fucked up back in the day and mm-hmm. society is different than it was and we're, we're trying to get better and we're more sensitive. But don't remove things. Don't change uh, those things of, you know, in the history. Now, I'm not saying don't change history because that sounds like a weird. I hate people who say that. Don't change my history. Right. But like, because I'm also fairly for like taking down uh, most Confederate monuments because most Confederate monuments weren't actually put up to honor the Confederacy. They were put up to intimidate black people. Right. Of course. They were put up in like the the early 90, in the early 1900s and the, in the 1960s. Right. When there were big movements uh you know uh, for for equal rights and who wants to celebrate a loss apparently the south man I mean, <laughs> they really do <laughs> it's kind of fucking crazy but uh, i mean also some i get it it's it was their ancestors for some people it was their ancestors and not everybody owned slaves but right. like, guess what that the civil war was about slavery people don't like being faced with uh the bad shit that their families did no they don't like, but you have to acknowledge it. And I tell you, some uh, someone, and I don't mean one particular person, but like a group of people who've actually done this well, is the Germans. Um, they've yeah. done a very good job of acknowledging what needs to be acknowledged about the past, and, and not glorifying it in any way. And not, it's just a matter of fact of this is what happened, and it was bad. And yeah. this is I mean, what we can learn from it because I, I, we visited, I visited Dachau when I was in Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to the Eagle's Nest, which was uh, one of Hitler's like kind of bases and stuff yeah. like that. And it's all about a, kind of acknowledging what is wrong and noting that they're not the same people. Yeah, that their ancestors were. The all all of the atrocities that happened like in the Holocaust and all of the you know internment camps don't burn those things down and tear them down. Like yes, they are people. Uh, can and should learn from them. So yeah, mm-hmm. keep them open because you'll you'll see what can happen. But you also at the same time, you don't go around having statues of Hitler being like, ha, well, those were the days. Right. Like no, exactly. I mean, it's you like it's, in in this case, it would be like, um, uh, what was the name of that horrible prison in Georgia? Was it Andersonville? Andersonville. Andersonville. Yeah. Having a place like Andersonville open for going in to look and seeing, hey, this is, a, is not mm-hmm. the same to me as here's a statue of this guy who led the South. Yes. In, in you know an insurrection led or, the confederacy yeah, yeah. It, it's not the same that's acknowledging that this was a place where something significant happened doesn't necessarily mean significantly yeah. good it just means significant happened yeah. and we need to look at that statue or something like that glorifying the wrong things yeah. i agree is is exactly. needs to come down you know i'm not saying they have to be just completely destroyed move them to a museum area mm-hmm. like you know because and then and and Put them in, you know, at least like the, the the context of what they are. They are, you know, these people who were glorified in their time. And yeah, stuff changes, but whatever. Uh, anyway, yes, that disclaimer <laughs> sparked far more of a discussion yeah. than I thought it would. But I did like that they, you know, didn't adjust stuff. Right. So that's, that's something you and me, and I've had this conversation with Corey multiple times. Don't fucking change our movies. Right. That's why I am still for hard media 
because I can't stand where some people like Netflix and Hulu and other stuff, they will get rid of movies or get rid of episodes because, oh, that was just too bad. I don't like that anymore. It's like, well, fuck you. You don't get you shouldn't get to decide that. You were just mad that Disney covered Daryl Hannah's ass in the movie Splash. Well, <laughs> yes, but they I think they they fixed that, but uh, they didn't end up fixing it. But yeah, like that kind of stuff, though. I mean, there's some episodes that aren't on Always Sunny in Philadelphia on Hulu because, you know, their humor was was is really? seen as you know, racist and whatnot. I was like, yeah, that's part of fucking It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <sighs> I just can't stand that. Okay. So anyway, all right, let's talk. Let's talk Aristocats. Yeah. And when we get to that scene, we'll talk it. That's really racist. <laughs> and we'll just, <laughs> we'll talk, we'll say that and move on. So, uh, but we start off with this French style song uh, about the Aristocats. And as we get with our opening title sequence. Which pet's address is the finest in Paris? Which pets possess the longest pedigree? Which pets get to sleep on velvet mats? Naturellement, the aristocats. Which pets are blessed with the fairest forms and fairest... We meet Duchess and Marie in Toulouse and Berlois uh, with Edgar and Madame uh, Bonfamille, uh, Madame... Adelaide, I think, or Adeline, something like that. Adelaide. By the way, it's not Berlois, it's Berlioz. Berlioz, whatever. It's, They're, it's weird French name. It's, he's named after a composer, and I know the composer's oh. name is Berlioz. That makes sense. Okay, Berlioz. Also, they say the name Berlioz in the movie. Well, I can't, I couldn't pronounce <laughs> Ava Gabor's, her, her accent. accent is tough enough sometimes, so. Fair enough, fair enough. So they're riding on Fru-Fru, uh, who is a horse, uh, voiced by Nancy Culp, who was in... Uh, the Parent Trap and Beverly Hillbillies, uh, stuff like that. The madam uh, is meeting with her lawyer, who's this really kind of old kooky guy. Kind of, re- you know, remember his look when he comes in. We get a little comedic scene of him and Edgar trying to go up the stairs because he's yeah really old and doesn't feel old kind of thing. Uh, we hear some music from Carmen. Adelaide, that's, that's music. It's from Carmen, isn't it? That's right. It was my favorite role. And we eventually, can, we can kind of infer that um, the madam was a singer. She was an opera diva yeah. at some point. And so that's how she kind of had ma- amassed her fortune. She, uh, you know, talks about the will with the lawyer. She's going to have everything go to her cats. She wants to make sure that they are taken care of. Uh, but when they die, everything will shift over to Edgar, uh, her servant. Adam, did you know that this movie is loosely based on a true story? I saw that and I was a bit surprised. <laughs> it was inspired by a true family of uh, Paris, a family of Parisian cats uh, around 1910 that uh, was uh, supposed to, or that inherited a, a fortune. That's ridiculous. And like somebody, I mean, there's cat, cat, crazy cat ladies have been around for a long time. It seems that got me thinking. What are some of the pets in the in his in history that had actually gotten the most inheritance? And so I, I looked it up. And there's a little bit of a debate over who actually has inherited the most. Um, one list I saw said that the most that was actually inherited by a pet was a chicken uh, named <laughs> Jiju uh, that inherited $15 million from her owner, who was a publisher of textbooks. And then there's this very famous story about a German shepherd uh, named Gunther III that was supposed to be owned by Countess Carlotta Liebenstein of Germany, which okay. there's actually a debate as to whether or not she was actually ever really a countess. Uh-huh. Um, and But apparently in 1992, uh, the dog inherited $80 million, 
which then ballooned investments to about $372 million. <laughs> then there was this whole thing about the son of Gunther III being Gunther IV uh, inheriting wealth and buying Madonna's house. That whole thing was a publicity stunt and not at all true. How could the dog buy Madonna's house? I don't know how that worked, but that's there was a story that happened and uh-huh. it turned out to be a huge publicity stunt. None of it was true. They don't even okay. know if the dog was actually the son of Gunther the Fourth. They don't even <laughs> like they said they don't even know if the countess actually existed in the first place. So you have to okay. take that one with a grain of salt. But the one that okay. seems to be the most true so far is that there's also some other ones like a, about a chimpanzee who inherited seventy million dollars. Not going to be bitter about that at all. Um, uh, I hate rich people. I fucking hate pe- rich people. Rich man. people are weird. Like there, some people I just think shouldn't have the money. Mm-hmm. They clearly don't need a lot of stuff. Yeah, they just need their pets. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in. Uh, that is cool. <laughs> I appreciated that. Uh, so Edgar is listening in on. Uh, the madam's conversation and he hears that whole thing about like oh okay I can make a bunch of money after these cats are dead and so he decides to come up with a scheme to get rid of the cats my initial thought was <laughs> you gotta wait till the madam's dead anyway why don't why don't you just get rid of the cats after she dies I mean the madam looked old but she didn't look like I mean she didn't look like she was gonna be croaking anytime soon by the time she did the cats will probably be only <laughs> A year or two away at best, if not dead themselves. Yeah, I mean, he, now he does his math and, you know, he does the trope of they're going to probably live nine lives and, or, you know, ten years each and nine lives for every life, uh, which is not true. Not true, obviously. But um, anyway, so that's how he get feels the need to to <laughs> come up with this scheme. So we see the kittens playing and whatnot, and we see that these cats are very cultured. Uh, and just in general, they're very high well-to-do cats they're aristocats uh, obviously after aristocrats not as opposed to the alley cats who are kind of the uncultured ones uh, mean meanwhile we see edgar putting sleeping powder in a meal for the cats um we see one of them yeah one of them's painting berlioz is playing the piano with marie and singing and whatnot about scales and arpeggios Every truly cultured music's student knows You must learn your scales and your arpeggios Bring the music ringing from your chest and not your nose While you sing your scales and your arpeggios And, you know, cute enough little song in there. It's fine. <laughs> my, my son was having a fit over the fact that because he watched this movie up till about this point and then he was like I'm going to bed where, where the cat playing the piano was like playing parts that weren't being heard and he's like the piano's playing itself the cat's not even I'm like calm down it's a cartoon that sounds like something your son would would get he, he gets like focused on weird things <laughs> yes he does we uh, all right so everybody out there we were playing uh, a virtual uh, um, escape room last night uh, the, as a whole family mm-hmm. uh, online. John and I, and I would say Siavon and, and your and your wife, our sister, our stepsister Siavon, who we're going to try and have on uh, pretty soon. Mm-hmm. We were all focused on beating this 
escape room. Like we were all like we're working together. We're all moving <laughs> towards. And John's son is just he is just an imaginative little goof where he just like is trying to come up with a backstory for every little thing and just being like it was set in like this rundown school and he was like oh I can't believe that this school would be left like this. Someone's gonna get in trouble. That's illegal. <laughs> I'm just like, buddy, I just want to solve this thing. (laughs) I mean, he's cute. Not annoying at all. (laughs) Just kidding. No. I love my nephew. He's awesome. Yes. Uh, All right. So Edgar brings in this uh, kind of this this meal of, you know, heavy cream or whatever with the cats and they eat it. Rockfort the mouse comes in, which I thought, you know, I I kind of forgot about Rockfort. Uh, Obviously, Rockfort is a cheese. Uh, great name for a mouse. Roque, well, it's actually pronounced Roquefort. Roquefort, yes. I don't know why they would call them Rockford. Yeah, yeah. Ro- no, Roquefort, I think you're right. Okay. And but they're all friendly. You know, these are high class cats. They're friends with their their mice. <laughs> but um, I immediately recognized the voice of Rockford because to me, I was like, wow, this sounds exactly like Winnie the Pooh. Yep. And that's because it was voiced by Sterling Holloway, who was the original Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. He was also Ka the Snake in Jungle Book. Yeah. So a lot of great stuff. Uh, but Roquefort and the cats are all feeling sleepy. Edgar ends up picking up the cats. Uh, you know, they're knocked out. And he drives them in his uh, in a motorcycle out to the country. Part of me immediately is like, one, why is it sleeping powder and not poison? Why didn't you just kill the I was going to say, to his credit, he doesn't try to kill the cats. He just wants to take them away. So yeah. that she'll think that they're dead. He is probably the sweetest villain <laughs> in most any of the Disney movies. Because right, he actually at the, at the very beginning he doesn't seem like an asshole. Like right. he actually likes the madam, right? You know, and he seems not, it's not until he heard about oh his greed, you know, the greed of getting the fortune that swaps swaps him. But like even here and later, he doesn't try to kill them, right? You know, he tries to send them far, far away, right. uh, which is which is interesting. So. But yes, anyone else would have just taken them up, put them in a sack, and drowned them. Exactly. That's part of it. It's like exactly dump them in a river. That's it. Put a brick in that in that bag. Dump them in a river. Or let them drown. But not him. So that's that was interesting. Um, all right. So while up in the country, he drives his motorcycle up there, and he, we meet these two kind of guard dogs at this farm, whatever that he's going to drop them off at, uh, and they are named Lafayette and Napoleon because uh, we're they, this movie is set in Paris. So this is kind of like outskirts, the countryside of France. Uh, and so obviously Lafayette and Napoleon are British or French generals, um, you know, well-known. And they go after him. Hijinks ensue. Lots of butt bites, things like that. <laughs> ha ha ha. Uh, and Edgar eventually gets away, but the basket is thrown out of the sidecar. And he accidentally left a couple different things out there that we will find out and he has to go back and get. But uh, the those two voices, very, very familiar in the this kind of like 60s, 70s Disney mm-hmm. uh, universe. Uh, Napoleon, the great Pat Buttram. You know, yeah. we've talked about him with rescuers and robin hood but he was also in green acres and the gene autry show yep so he's just got that classic kind of hickey southern sound yeah. that voice i remember him popping up popping up in uh, back to the future part three. Oh, okay. he's in a he's in he's in the saloon that Dr. Oh, going okay. to. he's like i think he's like one of the guys playing cards but like you you hear him talk because he only says a couple of lines but immediately you're like oh that's the dude from all those disney movies yep and the other guy, Lafayette, 
is voiced by George Lindsay. We talked about him in Rescuers and Robin Hood. We also talked about him in the Andy Griffith show because he played Goober Pyle. Yep, the replacement for Gomer. Exactly. All right, so the cats come to, and they are confused and scared. Uh, Adelaide also at one point wakes up looking for the cats, but they aren't there. So Roquefort is trying to head out. He's trying to find Duchess and the kittens. In this one scene, I do want to mention there was like they look at a frog. So there was a, a spot where I think it was Marie looks at a frog mm-hmm. and the frog like makes a croak or something. I noticed there was an uncredited uh, uncredited credit on, on IMDb to Mel Blanc for the frog. And so apparently the man of a thousand voices did that croak or whatever. I wonder if they just reused that from something. Very possible. That's That, that would sound like something they'd probably do. I'm sure mm-hmm. they'd had a plunge of animal voices that he had done <laughs> that he probably they probably just been just like find a find a you know a clip literally it would have been a clip of tape mm-hmm. <laughs> then yep so in the morning uh, Duchess wakes up to find Thomas O'Malley singing about himself <laughs> backbone I'm Abraham DeLacy Giuseppe Casey Thomas O'Malley O'Malley the alley cat I've got that wanderlust Gotta walk the scene Gotta kick up highway dust Feel the grass that's green And I just thought to myself, how perfectly expositional. He was just literally just kind of singing about who he is and that kind of guy. I was like, oh, wow, we find out, you know, we find out him about everything we need to know about him right away from that song. But he immediately, you know, he's just this transient i guess he's not super transient because he's got a home uh in paris but he's just kind of like you know off on his own kind of you know freewheeling kind of guy he immediately flirts with the duchess and offers uh, ultimately offers to help them on their way back to paris uh then he sees her kittens and whatnot and he's kind of taken aback but she kind of calls him out for oh you only wanted me you know whatever mm-hmm. and and so I, she's like, I can kind of see through. Starts walking, starts walking away with the kids, but uh, he does end up offering to help. And so we just kind of meet them a little bit. We see Marie, and you know, Toulouse is likes to be this little tough guy cat. He's like the little orange baby, mm-hmm. thinks he's tough, and Marie likes to pretend to be a ladylike person, but she's also not <laughs> at times. But whatever, just just little cuteness from the kittens. Yeah. Uh, so O'Malley scares a delivery guy to stop, and they jump on. Marie then falls off, and then O'Malley has to get on, save her, and then jump on. So he ends up coming with them, which he wasn't at first, yeah. but okay. <laughs> so, uh, Roquefort talks to Fru-Fru the horse. There's no luck hunting for them, but then Edgar comes in, being all happy, and he talks to his horse. Uh, now, in this world, it, the animals can talk with each other, but when they when they speak, it just sounds like Animal sounds, I think. Right. Um, so Edgar talks to them, but they can understand humans, but under- humans can't understand animals. Right. Except for one scene where that rule is broken. Oh, yeah. Which one? Uh, I'll mention it when it's towards the end. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's just the world of who can talk to who in Disney is always confusing yeah. <laughs> and doesn't make any there sense. There are no but, rules. Yeah. Uh, he, he kind of talks about, oh, hey, I just... You know, I've been in the newspaper or this catnap uh, did such a great job or this catnapper. And so that was it was him. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Eventually, though, he does realize that he left his hat and umbrella and stuff in that kind of tussle and chase scene that he had with Lafayette and Napoleon. So he knows he needs to go back out and get rid of the evidence so he doesn't get caught back on the kind of cream, the milk truck. 
the driver notices that the uh, cats are drinking the cream in the, in the back of his truck and they get thrown out and now they have to walk and they start by crossing a bridge. They have to kind of hide under as the train goes by. But of course, Marie falls and falls into the river for some reason. But O'Malley jumps down. She's always getting in trouble. She always absolutely. Uh, she just has no balance or hand eye coordination, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, O'Malley jumps in, saves her. Um, eventually, he kind of. Gets her out, but he's kind of still going downstream. And we meet some geese, Abigail and Amelia, uh, who eventually who save him because uh, he basically is almost drowning. And those are voiced by Monica Evans, who was made Marion in uh, Robin Hood and Carol Shelley, who was Lady Cluck in Robin Hood. Hmm. Uh, they were also in the Odd Couple TV show as well. So um, but they are also going to Paris. Because they're trying to meet up with their Uncle Waldo at this place called Le Petite, Le Petite Cafe. Um, and we cut to him and he's like this super drunk uncle. Uh, which they actually get to Paris and see him right away. And they all just kind of laugh about his overt alcoholism. It's just a joke, not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind of strange. It was a little weird. Uh, and Uncle Waldo is voiced by Bill Thompson. He was Smee in the Peter Pan movie. He was white. He was the White Rabbit in Alice in Wonderland movie. Um, and he was uh, Touche Turtle, which is like a, a turtle with a sword, almost kind of like a Renaissance kind of look. I think you would recognize the look of Touche Turtle. Okay, if you saw him. Uh, Edgar comes out to get the evidence that he left behind in the country area. Uh, Roquefort jumps onto the motor- motorcycle to follow him, but he ends up falling off. And so he doesn't go with him. Uh, Edgar gets to the farm, tries to steal the hat off the head of Napoleon in a fishing pole. Cute, kind of a cute little mm-hmm. silly scene where he's having to, you know, the hat's kind of being moved around and Napoleon thinks it's Lafayette taking and yada, yada, yada. They're, they're, it's hilarious. And then he has to scratch his back at one point and uh, it's, it's fine. Yeah. It's just a kind of, you know, silly little Disney scene of trying to get your stuff back. But ultimately he does end up waking up the dogs. They chase him, evades the dogs and gets away with all of his stuff. Uh, the kittens are tired and they are, need to, you know, stop and sleep and they get to O'Malley's place and we hear Scat Cat and his band are playing and so we meet all of them. <laughs> well, looky here. Big man O'Malley's back in his alley. Swing on down here, daddy. Place some skin on me, Scat Cat. And Scat Cat is voiced by Scatman Crothers. He was in The Shining. He was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And we talked about him as Jazz in the Transformers movie. He was actually not the original for this role. He was a last second replacement because Scat Cat was supposed to be Satchmo Cat. And originally he was supposed to be voiced by Louis Armstrong. Oh, okay. And unfortunately, Louis Armstrong fell ill and couldn't do the movie. And he did play trumpet in this movie. Yes. Yeah, the, the cat played trumpet. That makes sense. So that's why the look of the cat looks more like Louis Armstrong because it was supposed to be Louis Armstrong doing the voice. Yeah. Yeah, Scatman Crothers is a skinny guy. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, and he sings, Everybody Wants to Be a Cat with O'Malley. Everybody wants to be a cat because the cat's the only cat. Tell 
with a square in the act. You can set music back. And that is the song from this movie. If there's one mm-hmm. thing that I remember most, this is actually probably this scene. Yes, the overt racism, but the the catchiness of everybody wants to be a cat. And I would say the psychedelic colors yeah. that's happening in this song. And it's weird because like the scat cat and stuff, they're kind of indicative of what was actually happening in real life in the 1960s, even though the movie would, takes place in the 1910s. Cause like they're all the scat cast ones are kind of like hippie-ish almost. There's like that hippie English cat and like they're doing jazz and yeah. like jazz was big in the fifties and it could have been, you know, earlier, but like Paris in the nineteen tens, I don't think you know, would have had that. So it was kind of weird because you're juxtaposed with this this scat cat group, which looks more closer to the time the movie actually was released, as opposed to the setting of the movie, which would have been like fifty years earlier. Or yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, the cats in Scat Cats Band, the Chinese, the most racist one, <laughs> is Paul Winchell. Uh, he voiced Tigger in Winnie the Pooh. Love that you know voice there. Mm. Gargamel in the Smurfs show. Oh. And Dick Dastardly in the Wacky Races. Okay. So great voice actor there. The English cat was voiced by Lord Tim Hudson. Uh, he was a vulture in The Jungle Book, and those were his only two credits. Oh. Uh, but he, he apparently was a radio DJ like, oh, okay. in, in, in uh, England or stuff like that. So uh, the Italian cat, Italian cat was voiced by Vito Scotti or Scotti. Uh, he was in The Godfather, and he had like small one-off parts in almost every fucking black and white show I've ever heard of. Wow, the guy had a ton of credits. <laughs> and then the Russian cat is voiced by the great Thurl Ravenscroft. You're a mean one, Mister Grinch. Uh, that was him, as well as Tony the Tiger for a lot of people. And yeah, and just in general, like that colorful dancing that they're all doing mm-hmm. right now. Like to me, that was a very, that is a, a sight that I, I kind of really associate with this movie. Those are the parts that I remember the most is that song, Everybody Wants to Be a Cat, the band, mm-hmm. and this this colorful dancing. Like it's, um, I wouldn't say it's mesmerizing, but there is something psychedelic, something fun about it. Yeah, there's a, there's a scene, I think, in here. Disney is very famous for reusing animation. Uh huh. And I th- I'm sure it's happened more in this movie, but I definitely remembered there's a scene where uh, the mother cat, who I've already forgotten her name, Duchess, Duchess <laughs> is dancing and is clearly reused from Robin Hood, where Maid Marian well, was dancing. Vice versa. This came out before Robin oh, Hood. Oh, really? Uh, but yes. Yeah. This was 70, and Robin Hood was like 73. Oh, for some reason, I thought Robin Hood was earlier than that. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I, 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 you know what? I've seen that video. There's a, is a solid YouTube video that shows all of these uh, reused animations. And there was that scene. Robin Hood takes Maid Marian to like the, you know, the, the band of merry people mm-hmm. in the, in the forest. And they have a little song and dance. And you're right. It's almost the exact same like dance yep. scene. 100%. There is a weird little interlude by Duchess when she hops on the harp. <laughs> I thought that was unnecessary, but just to show, hey, she's musical too. Did your now your uh, your kids play harp? Did your daughter like that scene? Yeah, actually, my son doesn't play it anymore. Just my daughter. Um, okay, but yeah, actually, when we got to that point, uh, she kind of sat up and was like, "Ooh," and yeah. then nice. 
lost interest after that. Well, then it went away because the song went back right. to Everybody Wants to Be a Cat. And we got, I think, that great scene of the piano with all the cats falling down all the, the flights uh, and all the different stories in the house. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that that shot is one that I particularly remembered. Um, I don't I don't remember. Now, we didn't actually talk about this earlier, but... You know, how do you remember watching this movie? I'm not exactly sure. Obviously, we watched it probably at home on on video. We could have watched it um, at the Country Corner Daycare Center. That's another big possibility. Um, I don't remember us having this movie. That doesn't necessarily mean we didn't. Yeah, I, I just remember. I know we saw it. I just couldn't tell you where or when. Yeah, same kind of thing. I don't remember ever having the the actual VHS of this one. I have a feeling it was at at our daycare at Country Corner, Mm -hmm. but it could have just, yeah, it could have just been with friends or, I mean, but yeah, we definitely, all of us had seen this movie multiple times. All right. uh, Duchess puts the kids to bed and her and O'Malley talk a little bit more and flirt and they end up kind of touching tails slash holding hands or whatnot. And they talk about that they kind of want to be together. But they can't because she has to go to school to, or not school. She has to go to home. She has to go home tomorrow. Um, here, I kind of thought to myself, and I thought about this earlier. You know, she's like, "Oh, you know, yeah, one day there might be a father for the kids and something." And it's just like, what happened to their dad? Yeah, I don't know. If they ever address it. Mm-mm. Like, I, I was curious. Like, yeah, did 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 he die early off? Was basically she just bred? Like, how rich culture will do? Uh, that's probably the most likely. Yeah. So I'm just, yeah, just kind of curious about it. So the next day they get home. Uh, Roquefort notices them returning. He uh, try, he ties Edgar's shoelaces together and whatnot because, you know, he's trying to stop him from doing, you know, from getting them again. He, because, which Edgar does hear there meowing and, you know, aha, falls from his shoes and whatnot. But um, ultimately, but Edgar gets to them, puts them in a sack, throws them in the oven right now. He didn't turn on the oven or anything. He's just trying mm-hmm. to hide them from the madam who does hear them at first and thinks, oh, my cats have come back, but, uh, you know, can't find them and just thinks she's going crazy or something. So Roquefort heads out to go get O'Malley to try and get some help, who sends Roquefort to get Scat Cat and the Alley Cats, who, you know, reluctantly, he's just a mouse, doesn't want to do it, but he does go and do it. So um, as Edgar is trying to put Duchess and the kittens into a trunk to send them away to Timbuktu, uh, (laughs) O'Malley and Fru-Fru work together to try and stop him, kicking him around and ha ha ha. Uh, The Alley Cats come in as well, attacking him, and Roquefort ends up coming back, picking the lock on the trunk, and they end up getting the cats out of the trunk, kicking... Edgar into the trunk and it gets sent off to Timbuktu as these delivery guys come and pick it up. We then cut to, you know, a little bit in the future. The madam is taking a picture of this nice family together with also O'Malley in there. He's got his own little tie and, you know, dicky or whatever that <laughs> little thing <laughs> around his neck. Um, and so obviously they're all together now. Yay. In her will, we find out she has adjusted it to make to make her home a new home to all the alley cats in Paris. And that's what she's going to do. And the band plays Everybody Wants to Be a Cat. Everybody, everybody, everybody wants to be a cat. Hey, Napoleon, that sounds like the end. Wait a minute, I'm the leader, 
I'll say when it's the end. It's the end. And uh, we get a little tag of Napoleon and Lafayette to kind of signal the end of the movie. And that was kind of silly. and It's kind of fun. And my first thought was, wow, I couldn't think of a better way to ruin uh, home values uh, than making it the home of all these alley cats. I was just thinking a homeowners association would never <laughs> allow that to happen. Hell no. That would get, yeah, that would just destroy property values. Uh, so that is the end of our movie. I would say I blew through it. But it's a fast movie. Yeah, it's pretty quick. You know, everything moves pretty quick. There is not much downtime. Um, their journey to get back home wasn't much of a journey. Right. <laughs> it was pretty fast to get back to Paris. So, yeah, it's pretty simple. Um, John, I'd like you to start. And I kind of am curious. You said your daughter watched the whole thing with you. Yeah. Um, did she have any particular thoughts or things that you remember from her watching it this time? And then, you know, what were your thoughts? Um, I think she enjoyed it. I mean, other than the the problematic Chinese cat, I thought uh, she, I mean, she enjoys animals, so I, I, didn't, mm-hmm. I think it was fine there. I remember when we watched it for our first uh, pass through when we were doing our, our Disney animated film run with our family, being not necessarily interested in seeing this movie and probably thinking it was kind of slow. This time, I had a much easier time going through it. Um, mm-hmm. It does move pretty fast um there's some funny moments it's not my favorite disney animated film by a long shot it's probably in the in the lower half at best but it's uh you know it's it's there's some good stuff in it too the story is incredibly simple and it's just an overall simple film but it's cute enough Mm -hmm. i'd say this is a, a perfect little film to show for kids you know, we all watched this when we were younger. If you think you're going to go back to it and get more out of it somehow, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. This movie is just kind of simply perfect for the kids, and it's not meant for any older generation. I would say, you know, nowadays Disney does a much better job of sprinkling in some adult jokes, some other things that adults might get stuff out of, you know, Lion King or, um, you know, definitely a lot of the Pixar movies or things like that. But. These older 70s movies only fit with a certain generation, and I don't think they really continue to grow with the people. And this is one of those where it's cute mm-hmm. enough. Absolutely. I, I didn't dislike watching this, and I would easily show this to a child, and I think they would enjoy it. Um, but it's not like, you know, and I'd sit down and I'd watch it with them, and I'd be content. But I'm not going to be more than content. So it's right. solid for what it is. Yeah. All right, now we are going to talk the action-packed SWAT Cats, the Radical Squadron. This show ran from 1993 to 1994, two seasons, only 25 episodes. I remember, I thought this was a longer-running show. Yeah, I also thought that SWAT Cats had more main characters than just the two. I don't know if I'd really call two people a squadron. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is literally it's just a duo. And I thought I thought I remember it. You're right. I thought it was a bigger group. I thought it was almost like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kind of thing where, mm-hmm. you know, pick an anthropomorphic, you know, team to fight off other weird animals. But it was just the two of them. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was interesting. So uh, the show was animated by Hanna-Barbera and it was aired on aired on TBS and produced by Turner Entertainment. Mm. Uh, the show was created by Christian and I think it's Ivan Tremblay, their brothers. Uh, the show 
call the um, they also ended up creating a show called Mega Babies. <laughs> I'd never seen that, but that was a 1999 to 2000 on Fox Family. It had 52 episodes. Wow, two seasons on that. Uh, the cast: our two main SWAT cats are Razor and T Bone. Uh, I'm going to go through a lot of these voice actors because this is there's an a, awesome cast. A lot of, yeah, there's a lot of good ones in this one. So Razor uh, is voiced by Barry Gordon, who had, did voices on the Jabberjaw show, the Snorks show. But you and I would definitely remember him best as Donatello on uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. the cartoon. Uh, he's the thinner kind of mechanical genius cat of the group. Yeah. T-Bone is voiced by... Awesome actor Charlie Adler. We've talked about him multiple times. He was Tex Hex in Brave Star. His voices in Smurfs, Pro Stars, Buster Bunny in Tiny Toons, Ickis in Our Real Monsters, Cow in Cow and Chicken, and just a bunch of stuff from Charlie Adler. Uh, he's the larger, more impulsive, but the ace pilot in the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Commander Farrell is voiced by Gary Owens, who voiced powdered toast man uh in ren and stimpy he also was the announcer ladies and gentlemen garfield and friends uh as well as he did classic voices like space ghost from back in the day mm-hmm. and the blue falcon who you would totally remember I yes think, the look of the blue falcon i remember yep. that uh, and so commander farrell was like the head of the enforcers which is the uh the the kind of the police uh group in that town and uh, he had a strong hatred for the SWAT cats because he considered them reckless vigilantes. <laughs> so, uh, Callie Briggs, who is the deputy mayor, was voiced by Tress McNeil. We have talked her about her many times. Mm-hmm. She most famously is probably Dot Warner uh, from the Animaniacs. Um, also, she has been in a shit ton of The Simpsons, and she has been Daisy Duck in like so much Disney <laughs> stuff. A lot of people also remember Babs Bunny and Tiny Toons, uh, Mrs. Pickles and Rugrats. And for me, hmm, uh, that voice is, for one particular reason, gets me in my feels, my lower down feels. She's Gadget, yeah. the voice of Gadget in Chip and Dale. Also the voice of Chip, but Gadget is... That's the important one. It's almost the exact same voice from Callie Briggs right. and Gadget right. for this one. So, Do you still have that uh, Gadget picture I bought you? It's right up there, my man. <laughs> I do. It's, it's right by my setup. So... Yeah, she is the deputy mayor and the closest ally to the SWAT cats. Mm. And the mayor, Mayor Manx, is voiced by the amazing Jim Cummings. Mm. He is the current Winnie the Pooh voice. He was uh, also Pete, the kind of big goofy villain, the Goofy's villain in Disney kind of thing. Yep. We've talked Jim Cummings a hundred times because he has 572 credits right now, and that's still growing. Did you watch that live action Winnie Winnie the Pooh movie with Ewan McGregor? I had yeah, Christopher Robin. I had no interest. I watched it. It was it was cute. I was happy that they kept the same current voice actors to play mm. the the Winnie the Pooh and all that stuff instead of trying to get celebrities to mimic them. It's like yeah. you know, no one was people want to hear that familiarity, and they don't care if someone like it was. And I'm gonna bring this up. I brought it up again. My freaking hatred for the Alvin and the Chipmunks live action movies. <laughs> Why they they got all of these big name actors to be them, and then they have to alter their voice anyway, so nobody yeah. can tell who they are. Kids don't give a shit who they are. <laughs> Parents don't give a shit. They just their kids just want to go see Alvin and the Chipmunks. Why the fuck would you pay all this money for these actors when the other voice actors? Not that they need the work. That's not what I'm trying to say. But like they deserve their chance to keep those characters going because the kids are gonna you know recognize a difference in voices. 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like Disney does that, and not just Disney. I mean, all all movies seem to do that now, and it kind of really started from Robin Williams. I think we've had this discussion before. Yeah, but to but to be fair, like Robin Williams is really not the thing you can use as an example because he's great at voices. Yeah, and so if you didn't already know it was him, he was also doing an original character because the genie isn't something from like a cartoon as opposed to you know someone who's been doing a cartoon show for a while and then they make a movie out of it and then they use a different actor for the movie as opposed to the tv show the genie was its own new character no you're right you're right what is that uh so no they used uh like uh ryan reynolds when didn't he voice pikachu in that Disney in the or not in the uh, Detective Pikachu movie or was he just with him? No, he was. Yeah, he voiced Pikachu. Yes, but he also he but he was also talking in his normal voice. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, but like, or or you know what? I'll throw in. I think people would have also loved. Now the Sonic movie had uh, that one guy doing the voice of Sonic. Where I wonder if a lot of people our age would have loved it if it was the guy who voiced Sonic in the cartoons from the nineties. That I mean, might. That's fair. That's a fair one. But they do. They do add these just big names. It's just like nobody cares. It's Ryan Reynolds right. doing Pikachu. Like I just want, or no one cares that it's this one person. Like they just want to hear their people that they know and love. So. Well, I don't give a shit about Pikachu. So. <laughs> yeah, I never saw. I didn't see that movie. I had zero interest. Maybe he was perfect for it. I don't know. But well, so it's he, not like you. You only hear like the pika pika thing a few times it's mostly him talking in his regular voice yeah which is you know and it's not like pikachu has like an actual voice from the show other right. than the pika pika so whatever so not not the best example but yes but you're right that kind of thing does happen all the time yeah uh who else way on uh anagora who uh who was the uh, star reporter for the cat's eye news was voiced by candy milo uh she does the granny for looney tunes uh in most recent looney tunes stuff mm. she also was madam foster in foster's home for imaginary friends bunch of other stuff including the voice of dexter in dexter's lab oh so yep great voice actress there uh johnny k who was her cameraman was voiced by mark hamill <laughs> uh awesome voice actor in his own right and Solid actor as well. We love Mark Hamill. Uh, Dark Cat was voiced by Brock Peters. Yeah. Uh, so you, well, we, some people might know him as uh, he voiced Luscious, Lucius Fox in the Batman, the animated series show. Mm-hmm. He also did the voice of uh, Darth Vader in multiple Star Wars radio dramas. And actually Dark Cat had a very similar uh, to Darth Vader's voice in this one. But John, do you remember him from a movie of kind of not really your childhood, but from way back? Well, I mean, I, I saw it in my childhood. I absolutely remember him as um, uh, as Tom Robinson in yeah. um, To Kill a Mockingbird. I saw that and I was just kind of like, "Oh wow, that's yeah. super cool." He he's so good in that. It's such a it's if you've never seen that movie, get off your ass and go see it. It's it's one of those classic ones that I, I really don't think they need to remake. I think they they hit everything on the head with that one. Yeah, we don't have that on our list to do, but it is one we got to throw on there at some point. I agree. Yeah, yeah, cuz we both saw that when we were young and you can talk about your experiences playing Jim. Yep. So in a little like local town production. So uh, and then uh, Dr. Viper, one of the other kind of villains who pops in every now and then is voiced by Frank Welker. <laughs> He's back on the show, everybody. That's right. Our good friend, Frank Welker. 
<laughs> so if only. I wish I was. If only. <laughs> but yes, of course, he even pops up. Love his voice in this one. And then other notable names who uh, lent their voice uh, for a time or two. Neil Ross, April Winchell, Kath Suchi, Rob Paulson, Jennifer Hale, James Hong, who keeps appearing in like <laughs> all these different things that we do that we do. Robert Patrick, uh, you know, the T-1000, yeah. Michael Dorn, who was um, uh, Worf, Townsend Coleman. A voice actor we've talked about many times. He mm-hmm. was actually on uh, the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well. He was Leonardo. Yeah. And just a bunch of different people. Yep. So, yeah, really, really strong voice acting cast. So, uh, the series takes place in the uh, fictional Mega Cat City, uh, which is all made up of like cats, basically <laughs> anthropomorphic cats. Um, and the uh, SWAT, SWAT cats basically are vigilantes who go around facing different villains you know sometimes it's the villain of the week sometimes it's people who kind of pop back up dark cat dr viper past master or a couples mm-hmm. um the metallic cats are these robot robot gangster villains as well so it's just like every episode is just kind of like going off doing different uh uh you know stopping different mm-hmm. things just yeah. like any other like action show like this yeah and this theme song It's just a nice little theme song. It's got a very heavy guitar. It's rocking. Yeah. That's really all it is. And, and you it, notice actually that rock guitar throughout the whole episodes. Yeah. Like they yep. really lean on it. There's not much to the opening theme though. No, I mean, it's it's fine. I approve of it, mm-hmm. but it's not a catchy thing that you're going to remember and like right. sing and like, you know, it's not really the thing that like gets you into the show. Yeah, I agree. So... SWAT cats, tell me a little bit about what you remember of watching this when you were younger. Um, I don't actually remember all that. I mean, I remember it was a show that I saw probably if it happened to be on or if it was Mm -hmm. on in between two shows I wanted to see. Um, I don't know that I ever necessarily, you know, seeked it out. It was that like I definitely remembered it as soon as I saw it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's definitely a show. That was a show that existed. Yeah, um, you know, yeah, we were kind of not hardcore SWAT cat people. Uh, they did have a toy line, but uh, a small toy line. I don't think it was. Yeah. It didn't blow up like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or anything. I don't think so. I don't remember us having one. Uh, we didn't. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I watched the show every now and then, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a scheduled viewing. It no. wasn't like one that we had to be on, but it was it was if it was around stuff that we were watching, we wouldn't turn away from it. Right. And so we enjoyed it enough, but it wasn't like hard into our nostalgia, but it was still, you know, it was, um, it was close enough. It was near it. So yeah. <laughs> now, uh, kind of with the downfall of, uh, SWAT cats. So Ted Turner, who owned Turner entertainment and TBS, uh, who produced and aired the show, he apparently started to not like the level of violence in cartoons. <laughs> and, uh, ultimately it led to their, their, you know, he, he kind of canceled the show. Like a lot of these shows ended up getting put aside yeah. because he wanted to have more positive positivity in their cartoons. So oddly enough, I did watch a video this morning that was a counter of how many people were actually, sorry, how many cats were killed in the show SWAT cats. And it, the total came out to 163. 163 deaths in this show? In the show. 
Holy shit, I didn't I don't remember. I thought it was going to be one of those kind of things where like, you know, they nobody nobody dies. It was also counting things like if a helicopter or a plane was coming and that blew up and you don't actually see the pilot inside, it was counting that. Well, but there, it should. It should. And there was also a scene that uh, actually one of the episodes that I watched where this monster like eats a farmer and you don't actually see him do it, but you see the shadow do it. Like you actually see the uh-huh. shadow. Do- so the, he was definitely like they count. They counted up this whole thing: 163 deaths in SWAT wow. cats. That's cool. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Ted Turner was trying to um, make things a little bit more lighthearted with his cartoons. So. Well, he shouldn't have bothered. <laughs> Exactly. We don't need that shit. Give me the violence, man. Yeah. That's the more fun stuff. That's cool. Uh, I approve of the death count. Okay. In, in this show, and overall, I kind of approved. I approved enough of the show. I didn't. I, I watched about two episodes. I'd say. Yeah, I watched. I watched one episode and some clips. Yeah, they're all on uh, Daily Motion. You can kind of mm-hmm. go out there and find the full episodes. It was fine. It was totally, totally fine. It's not one I'm going to be rewatching, and it's not one that right. I loved enough to like want to be like, you know, oh man, this is totally worth your time or um, or whatnot. But the show was was okay. That was the exact sentiment I was coming away with. It was like, it's watchable, it's fine. There's nothing hooking me into it that I want to mm-hmm. like. I have to come back and watch it. But you know, if I if someone tied me to a chair and forced me to watch it, I'd have no problem. <laughs> I'd be fine yeah. with it. And there's only 25 episodes, so like, if you were really nostalgic when you were younger, sure, fucking go watch them. It's only, it's not going to be that much of a, an investment. Yeah, I think you can buy this, this, all of the episodes on Amazon too, as mm-hmm. well. If you want to buy all of them, I think you can buy them all digitally. Yeah, uh, like buy all the whole season and whatnot. So, I mean, it's out there. It's, it's not, it's a, you know, it's it's not enough on a free streaming, meaning you know, like no. a service or anything like that. So, no, but, but for the hardcore fans, you know, I'd say give it a shot because, you know, neither of us really, really loved it, but, but we both were entertained marginally. And so I'd say the people who have that nostalgic love would, would appreciate it more. Yeah. There is actually, there was a Kickstarter campaign put up by the, um, the creators, uh, the Tremblay brothers in 2015, and they tried to get some things started with it. Uh, funny enough. The box office disaster that was the Cats musical actually hurt their kind of campaign because Hollywood definitely has this mentality. Oh, no, Cats bombed. There's no way we can have anything associated with Cats for a while. Uh, And so so that kind of hurt their chances of, of kicking it off. But then in an update on their Kickstarter on January 19th of this year, 2022, 11 days ago, of our recording of this, anyway, yeah. uh, the creators announced that they have teamed up with Tunes Media Group, um, which is a global media company, to bring their show Squat Cats. They're calling it Revolution to life. So apparently, it's gonna get revamped mm. and brought back out to the people. So if you are one of those hardcore Squat Cat fans, you have something to cheer about. Yeah, that's cool. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by. Get out of the way! Come on! Don't get that, Frank. It could be the office. Yeah, let it rain. Uh, hello? Baxter! It's-
Rich Baxter. Meow Mix brand cat food has a variety of four delicious flavors cats love. In fact, it's the only cat food that tastes so good, cats ask for it by name. All right, and now we're going to do the casting portion of the show, and we are going to be casting Wildcats, uh, which was a show, and at admittedly, what was the show we were originally going to do, until we realized neither of us watched the show. <laughs> so we're like, oh, let's put SWAT cats on there, but we didn't want to cast SWAT cats. So like, okay, we'll just keep Wildcats because they're all humans-ish. And and legitimately, John brought up, are we going to cast this, cast them like anthropomorphic, <laughs> like the Cats movie? I, and I'm like, no. I got the two mixed up. I thought Wildcats was SWAT cats. <laughs> Yeah, so then we swapped over to SWAT cats, and we have, but we thought because this is a cart, this is a comic book property, we have cast a bunch of those properties, and there's a chance this could have makeup for a fun movie. Yep. So Wildcats uh, was created by Jim Lee and Brandon Choi. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I and actually to do this casting, I actually watched a couple episodes of the cartoon to get to know the characters better. <sighs> I should have done that. That would have made sense. Yeah, because I just kind of ended up going on look. Yeah, so I, I just to kind of get a little bit better sense of the character, I did that. And on the cartoon, it, it says Jim Lee's Wildcats. Okay. Um, which uh, was first appeared as part of the, the new image because Jim Lee was one of the guys who started Image mm-hmm. back in 1992. And so there's kind of a, a team. Uh, the team that we're going off of, I think, is based more on the cartoon, per se, okay. than, the, uh, than the comic book. But the character's did originally appear in the comic book. At least this is the original team version. It's like like any other team in comics, people come and go and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so the characters we're going to do are called Grifter, Spartan, Void, Maul, Voodoo, Zealot, Warblade, and Jacob Marlowe. <laughs> Jacob Marlowe. <laughs> Lord uh, Emp, I saw, is also the name. Name, yeah. Um, so I didn't watch enough to get a good sense of every single character what they did i don't know if you did any research on the characters maybe you can give a little bit better background on some of them adam not really okay (laughs) i I mean i did look up their their look and then kind of like the what is their thing you know and that's about it what i gathered for because i did watch the i did watch the first episode which kind of gave me a little bit of a background um and that uh thousands of years ago two alien species crash landed on earth um one of them is i believe they were called the daemonites yeah that sounds kind of familiar daemonites uh, they kind of look like lizardy people and then the other one which looked human and i had a weird name and i could not remember yeah yeah daemonites and carabim yeah carabim they crashed landed like thousands of years ago and the wildcats are made up of people who are ancestors of the carbon have the carbon DNA, which allows them okay. to be transformed into people with the powers. And I saw, I saw like for a lot of these powers, like um, there was uh, uh, a lot of them had, or at least some of these females definitely had, um, uh, like psych, not psych, not psychic, yeah, Psy- like psychic powers or oh, maybe yeah. psionic, psionic powers for some of them too, right. that kind of stuff. Uh, so I mean, the characters were pretty interesting. I actually, I. I was hooked enough after the first episode to watch another episode, um, oh, okay. just just to see where they were gonna kind of go. I don't know that I, that I'm gonna continue to watch a whole bunch of them. I 
don't really know if I want to go back and try to read some of the comics either because I know how some of that early image stuff was. We actually talked Young Bloods, and I was less than impressed <laughs> yeah. with that one. But I, you know, I kind of like the characters. Some of the some of them had a really interesting look. Grifter gave me heavy Deadpool vibes. Definitely, Grifter's the coolest looking one. I feel yeah. in the group. Um, and some some other kind of cool, interesting stuff. So we're gonna do our best to kind of. If you are a fan of the the TV show or the comics, then hopefully we can uh, do it justice by casting our version of a live action. Yeah, Wildcats. Uh, so Jacob Marlowe, we'll start with him. He's the one. He's actually, I think, he's a regular human. He's the one who discovers the truth about uh, the histories, and he puts this team together. Uh, no, so I mean, Jacob Marlowe is a Carabim Lord. Okay, um, he's, but he doesn't he's really not that in the in the show in the show, okay. at least not at the beginning. Yeah, he doesn't seem to like do intense powers, but he kind of like is like the man behind the group. Okay, kind of thing. Okay, so we may. Did you look up what he looks like in the comics? Because that- short. He's okay. short and he's got he's got like a um I don't know, he's got like a confidence vibe, almost like a businessman y vibe. Okay, so that is the same, because that's how he looked yeah. like in the in the cartoon. Um so who did you cast as your Jacob Marlowe? Uh so I wanted to you know, I saw it said that he was three foot six on his uh bio for uh Jacob Marlowe. So I wanted to cast a little person and for someone who is the kind of the swagger and confidence of the kind of character that I was seeing. I don't think you have a better kind of like confident, um, just fantastic actor who I think could kind of lead and kind of advise a group like Wildcats. I want Peter Dinklage. Adam, I also went with Peter Dinklage. I mean, yeah. even watching the cartoon, like he's got he's got that businessman confidence attitude we've seen from Peter Dinklage in Game of Thrones, Days of Future Past. I I believe Peter. I could believe Peter Dinklage as somebody who was. Who had the capabilities and, and the and the and the smartness to put this sort of team together, um, and to lead them? Yeah. And I would totally believe it. I, exactly. He he definitely um, has that. You know, I mean, with with uh, you know Game of Thrones, you just believe how smart. I don't know how intelligent Peter Dinklage is, but I imagine it's way more intelligent than me because all the characters that he play just seem like fucking geniuses. So I think he would do a great great job. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's why I picked him. I thought, and I was like, I didn't even consider anyone else. Yeah, yep. Just went straight to it. Uh, all right, Warblade. Warblade has kind of an interesting look, um, mm-hmm. sort of cybernetic. He's got like these claws. He's almost like, um, oh, who was the girl from, from the X-Men movies who had the fingers? Uh, and, Lady Deathstrike. Lady Deathstrike has kind of that same vibe, but it's more sort of uh, cybernetic, I guess. Yep. It's liquid metal liquid is metal. what it's called. And, and Warblade can kind of transform. So he's a, he's a T-1000. It really kind of is. He can transform his body and he kind of can adjust those kind of sharp bladed weapons with his hands. Yeah. So the first episode of the cartoon is the Wildcats going after whoever the guy is who turns into Warblade and convincing him that he's this guy and needs to be a hero and that sort of thing. Okay. Um, as he gets chased by the Daemonites. Uh, so I will jump in with mine. This was the last one I cast and the one that I actually had the hardest time casting. So I just kind of picked an actor who I'd like to see more of and was about the right age that, uh, I think would work. Uh, He's in about his mid twenties right now. And I only really know him for one American show. Um, he's done a lot of stuff back in his, is, uh, in Homeland in, uh, Denmark. Uh, but I loved him. 
as Ivar in the Vikings show. Uh, his name is Alex Hoff Anderson. I I looked at him as it's actually kind of the same age range that I went with. Like they all seem like they're kind of younger esque, mm-hmm. um, younger adults. And so I went with kind of like that early thirties range for my castings. I didn't I didn't use him, um, but I did like him. And actually, was like, oh, I'm, I was considering him for a couple roles actually. So yeah, okay, good call. All right, cool. And who did you go with? Uh, I went with um, an actor who with Warblade. Yeah, I, want, I saw. Now, granted, sometimes you see these characters and they seem their body type is like just jacked to all hell, <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense. Not everybody is that fucking swole, right? So this one, I thought, I thought maybe like a skinnier, lankier guy would fit in in the look that I wanted. Uh, so I went with an actor who has already done some kind of lanky vibes. Also, with this liquid metal, someone who has to, I don't know, you can kind of put your manipulate your body a little bit. Um, as well as maybe you're going to have to get used to having some makeup or some other prosthetics or stuff like that, potentially. So I went with a guy who has kind of done all that in the more recent X-Men franchise as he played Nightcrawler. I went with Cody Smith-McPhee. Um, and so I think he could kind of take those vibes and transfer those into Warblade. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to look him up. I do remember him from the most recent one. But like with with those long bladed hands, I kind of I imagine more of a lanky person yeah. as well. So that's why I got that. Cool, I'm fine with that. That's that's okay. cool. Uh, all right, Zealot. Uh, Zealot had an interesting costume. Um, definitely that '90s <laughs> kind of like yeah. she looked like a, a combination of Katana from DC and Elektra from Marvel. Yeah, a little bit of both. Yeah. Who did you go with? Uh, so yeah, yeah, she had exactly pretty much had that stuff and the white hair, right? Just like, kind of like a stark white hair. And I went with, uh, she's a blonde actress, but I, I think she could pull off the white hair pretty well. And she's well, uh, versed in superhero stuff. Now she's not typically like the best fighter. Now zealot, I think, you know, she seems very much like a, not quite ninja esque, but you know, there's definitely martial arts mm-hmm. style with, with what I, what I'm looking at. Um, but I think this person, very beautiful, and she's used to superhero stuff. I went with Melissa Benoist as my zealot. Okay, uh, yeah. I, I like that just fine. Um, it'd be it'd be cool to see her doing more martial artsy stuff than she was yeah. doing as Supergirl. Um, That's the only thing. I, I, could those could that transfer? Um, you know, because she's not doing martial artsy stuff. Yeah, she's not. And I'm looking at some of the pictures of Zealot, Zealot's very curvy, but every. Every ni- early '90s person is super yeah, curvy. You you can't base it on the <laughs> drawing. You just can't. No. Yeah, they, those those proportions just aren't realistic for anyone. Yeah. Um. So I went a little bit in a different direction uh, okay. for Zealot. Um. I like that she has a sword because I you know I like swords. I think swords are cool. Swords are cool. Um. And uh, I. Noticed that she had a similar look to Katana, and so I just went with someone who I know has played Katana. She also does, has done a kick-ass uh, job as Kamiko in The Boys. I went with Karen Fuki, Fukuhara. Oh, yeah. She was um, Katana in the yeah, first she- Suicide movie, Suicide Squad movie, excuse me, and then she's been Kamiko in The Boys. Yeah, so she definitely has already a good bit of action and even some martial artsy stuff under her table i would love to see her with that white hair i i like that call better i think okay. she would do she'd be more believable yeah i love that look yeah that's great that's a great 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 choice i think she, she's already had some of that uh martial arts and sword training i think it would translate pretty well 
Yep, yep, I really do. Yep, de- absolutely. All right, cool. All right, Voodoo, who's the only other uh, female one. Um, she is. Uh, Vo- Void is female. Oh, you're right. You're right. Void is female. Well, uh, yep. Void is. It, it's like Void doesn't necessarily go out on missions, though. Void uh-huh. is like. What's the name of the, the what's the name of the the face in in Power Rangers? Oh yeah, um, Zor- Zordon. Zordon. She's kind of like Zordon, and like she's at the base, and she's like a she's yeah. like a living computer. But yeah. I don't think she was go. She didn't necessarily go out on missions per se. Gotcha. Um, but Voodoo did, and she was uh, telekinetic, and I think telepathic, or just telepathic. One of the two. Double pack. I mean, almost, almost. Um uh, Psylocke style. Yeah, even her look is almost Psylocke style, but shows a little less skin. But yeah, I wonder, I wonder why that would be. They just <laughs> stole stuff. It's it's uh, it's hard it's hard to show any more skin than what Psylocke does. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, so for this one, I actually cast a little bit younger in the in the cartoon. It seemed like she had a relationship with Maul. I don't know if that mm. was true. I don't know if that necessarily I would keep that relationship, at least not necessarily a romantic relationship, maybe more like yeah. a brother-sister type relationship because I actually cast fairly young uh, okay. for my for my voodoo, um, but I wanted somebody who could still do some stunts because it's a superhero movie. Even if, you, even if telekinesis or telepathicness is what you do, it's a superhero movie or, or show, you're going to do that. And I just rewatched this movie recently, so it was fresh in my head. Talking about X twenty three herself, Daphne Keene. Oh, I would like to see that. Yeah, if you if you threw away, actually saw. So she Zealot and Spartan actually have something in the comics. It looks like okay, but if you just get rid of that and you just kind of yeah want to go with a little badass, uh, Daphne Keene is a little badass. She's 16, 16 or seventeen now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of go with like that younger style who's kind of new to the group, finding out her powers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I like that. I think that's really cool. All right, cool. I never, I haven't watched any of her stuff. The His Dark Materials. My wife did, and she she loved it. Okay, cool. But I Good to think know. she might have because they're. I think they're. Aren't they based on like the Golden Compass books? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yep. she she read those books when she was a kid, so she was she was excited to see the show, and I think she loved it. Good. I didn't watch it, but. If my wife loved it, she must have done okay because I think she was the main character in that. So, yeah. Uh, who was your voodoo? Uh, my voodoo um, is someone. Also, I stuck in the world of oh, you have done superhero stuff before. I think you would do well <laughs> in this. Some psionic stuff. She's a complete badass. She has led a show before, and so I know she can handle this. If we made a good movie out of this one, I lo- I really like her show, Chloe Bennett. She was an Agents of Shield. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's who I put as my voodoo. So it's a little bit older than yours, right? I, you know what? I think I think you should have put Chloe Bennett as Zealot, as Zealot instead okay. of Voodoo, and that's that. my just from watching it because Voodoo doesn't use weapons or anything. Because Chloe Bennett can kick some ass, and we kn- and we know this. And that's my the harm of me not doing enough research and me not watching a show to kind of get the vibes of the characters. Yeah. I was originally just going to look up the the stuff and I was like, you know what? The cartoons there, I might as well watch. So, you know, spend an hour, yeah. watch a couple episodes and at least get a better feel for what the characters are kind of like. Though. No. I like, okay. I like Chloe Bennett. I would be fine. Just as fine watching her as voodoo. Uh, if not okay. zealot either. So. All right, cool. I mean, I'll take your your uh, uh, pity, your advice on that. <laughs> yeah. Not your pity, your advice. Cause you, you just, 
even watching that cartoon, you have a better vibe for the for the characters than me. Okay. Well, Chloe Bennett's got a really good attitude. She does. So, and Voodoo seemed not necessarily meek, but a little bit more subdued to me. Okay. Good to know. Uh, all right. Maul. M-A-U-L. Uh, Maul is this kind of big green purple demon looking dude uh, who can grow. Yeah. Um, it's also apparently like a, so a scientist. So a smart guy. Kind of like Beast. As well. Almost. Yeah. All right. Who did you pick for your Maul? I really didn't know what kind of character I needed to put together for Maul. Because, um, yeah, I, I just kind of had to go off the little bits that I saw that is a capable of increasing their size. And uh, they were um, a Nobel Prize winning scientist named Dr. Jeremy Stone. I really did. Yeah, I, I wanted to add just a little bit of uh, diversity into the show mm-hmm. as well. And so I put I, I was just kind of looking around at kind of actors around this age. So this guy was in Zombieland. He was also in a Resident Evil. And so I know he has... Um, you know, some action stuff under his belt. So can he do this? I'd hope so. His name is, um, Avon Jogia. And I'm sure I butchered the name. He's, uh, he's actually from Canada, but I think he comes from like, um, uh, maybe like a, a Persian background or something like that. Okay. And so just kind of wanted to get a different, uh, uh, you know, different, different diversity into this group. Cause it's all, it's all white people. It's true. The, in the Although comics. I think Maul doesn't turn back and forth from a human. And that's, and that's, and so, that's what I didn't know. Um, and so it was like, is it, does he just stay that way? And I need to focus on the voice, um, which is case. I have no idea what this guy sounds right. like, <laughs> or do I need to have somebody who can go back and forth? So I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't, I probably botched this <laughs> casting. <laughs> okay. Well then hopefully you'll, you'll like who I picked from all mall and, uh, we can get something good out of it. Um, okay. I did kind of focus on the voice, but I also wanted somebody who, could maybe step in and do some of the mocap stuff and and do some of the motion and maybe some of the stunts if it needed. Um, but I definitely did kind of um, uh, I did kind of center on the voice, and I loved I loved this guy as Mbaku. I chose Winston Duke. Oh, okay. I like his voice. I think he could totally. He's already got that vibe of big imposing dude. Yeah. From um, from Black Panther. Yeah, I said that is you did do a very good job. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, yeah. well, let's go to Void, uh, who, as I mentioned before, is just kind of like a living computer, um, and is kind of like uh, it kind of has that Zordon feel to the yeah. character, as it were. So uh, Void basically is just a woman in an old gray suit. Yeah, it's it's all it's like not not like latex but it's basically like a yeah like a metally body, body. Suit looking thing um so i immediately know who i was gonna put and i think that it was just because i love this actress i love what she does and maybe i have a little bit of a crush on her and uh <laughs> want to put it in there and i've used her several times but i don't care i picked lucy Liu. oh okay all right so you went with kind of an older actress to kind of help lead this team yeah. I couldn't tell, like, how old is... Because she looked young to me in the picture. I mean, well, she's artificial, uh, so she can look as young uh, or old, I guess, as you want her to look in the, in the in the in your movie. I like Lucy Liu's voice. I think it would work well as her as a computer. All right, yeah, it would. Absolutely. Okay. Well, who did you go with? Uh, I went with somebody. I could tell this person had something to do with kind of, like, yeah, their, their mind was important. But knowing that kind of like a living computer, I think, would fit really well. I, I stuck in that same age range as all my other stuff, but I do think... 
you know, her kind of sticking back and being kind of robotic, I think actually would kind of fit with this actress. Um, not saying she's a robotic actress, but uh, she's solid. And I think actually I could, I could fit, see her kind of like, you know, giving orders or whatnot, you know, or, or kind of breaking down um, information before people, before going off onto a fight or, a, you know, into a mission. Mm-hmm. I'm with Emma Roberts. Okay. So she's from American Horror Story and other stuff, but I think I got like a, I don't know, I feel like computery vibe, you know, like I feel like that fits with her. Okay. As, we- as weird as that sounds. Julie Roberts' niece. Yeah. Okay. That's correct. I'm trying to remember the last thing I saw her in. I never saw We're the Millers, but I heard that was pretty funny. So she, I mean, recently, American Horror Story, she was in Scream Queens, which is another show. Yeah. She's up for okay. some some different outside the box stuff, but if especially if she just kind of has to stand around right. and like tell other people, I think I think that absolutely works. Okay. That's fine. That's okay. fine. Yep. I'll take fine. Okay. Uh all right, Spartan who I don't I couldn't tell if he was supposed to be the leader of the team like he is according to like the Wikipedia. I can tell you what, it, it, the way he was in the in the cartoon, he was just as much she all right, he was more of a wet blanket than Cyclops <laughs> was. Cyclops had infinitely more personality than this guy did in the in the cartoon and I don't know if they were doing that justice or not. Mm, okay. So I don't know how he's I, part. He's part cyborg, right? I uh, so maybe there is that. I, that I, that's possible. I did find it interesting that the, the original concept was that he would never die. If his body died, he would just get downloaded, kind of like the yeah. uh, in uh, Battlestar Galactica with the uh, Cylons. Mm. He would just get downloaded again into a, a new body. Okay. Um, but who did you go with for your Spartan? Yeah, uh, needed somebody who could could kind of have the look of the leader, but also I think he could kind of have a look of a cyclopsy slash wet blanket. Um, he has been in the Flash show. He's also in a show called The Tomorrow People. So he, um, I think, does have uh, some some kind of actiony stuff a little bit under his belt. I'm with Robbie Amell. Uh, Stephen Amell's brother or cousin? Who's Stephen? He Amell? was the Arrow, the Green Arrow in the CW show. Oh, okay. So maybe yeah. So they are probably okay. I, so they are related. Yes. But he's got. I don't know. He's got a good like. I don't know, classic comic booky leadership look to him. Yeah, and he so does. I think it, it fits well with. Spartan. He does actually, and he looks pretty close to what I was seeing in the in the cartoon. So cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. All right, I will take All it. All right, um, I uh, decided to switch things up a little bit. I went with a different actor who has done a little bit of action. He was in The Predator, the 2018. Kind of remake oh, continuum. I heard it was a, I heard that yeah, was a piece of I, shit. I'm not going to hold that against him. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to hold that against him because he was also in uh, the movie Moonlight, okay. uh, which you know won Best Picture. Uh, he was also in Bird Box, and I do remember him from Bird Box, and that was fine. The um, Sandra Bullock movie that was on Netflix, mm-hmm. uh, and his name is Trevante Rhodes. Um, yeah, you know what? I actually haven't seen Moonlight, and I know I need to, or Bird Box. But you know some solid acting credits. I uh, yeah, I like the look of him. Looks, I can see him leading a team. Looks like he's going to be playing Mike Tyson in an upcoming miniseries. Oh, interesting. So he probably can get jacked. Yeah, yeah, cool with that. All right, I need I need to watch Moonlight pretty badly. Yeah, yeah. No. Okay. Uh, all right. So Grifter has kind of a cool look, kind of a almost soldiery look, but then he's got this mask that only covers his face. It kind of looks like a piece of cloth. But it's got a kind of uh-huh. neat design on it. He's got big, uh, big kind of big orange hair, and uh, I 
went with an actor who has been on a series that just ended a few weeks ago that my wife and I have kind of came to. We only came into the series like the last couple seasons, um, but we really loved it. And I don't expect you to know who this is because I don't think you've seen the series. Uh, he played the character of Amos in The Expanse. His name is Wes Chatham. Oh, he definitely has like a, a look from the comics. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. we need to grow out his hair a little bit, you know, fluff it up a little bit because you can get that kind of. Whoa, yeah. I'm looking at the pictures from The Expanse and I'm like, that looks <laughs> like it's straight kind of. <laughs> he kind of has the same it. attitude in The Expanse that character does. Uh-huh. The same kind of fuck it attitude because Grifter's kind of like the, the loose cannon almost. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to do what he wants. So to me, the personalities worked. Okay. Yeah. The the look is absolutely there. So it, as well. Yeah. So, he's cool. he's jacked enough. You could believe him as that kind of that kind of character. So um, I think yeah. it was a good match. All right, good. Adam. The first thing I think of when I hear the Wildcats comic book, I think of the look of Grifter. Okay. Uh, so I know I know from looking into stuff that you know Spartan is the quote unquote leader, um, but Grifter is the coolest character, and he's like the face of the group, at least to me. And so I put my biggest actor as Grifter. I wanted someone who I thought could do whatever is needed, but also just be a complete and utter badass. And I I think Grifter kind of has that look to him. Um, I did switch it up, and I went with a a black actor who I know, sure as shit, could be someone that uh, I want to see in an action movie. I just said, fuck it. Put the guy I love. Put Michael B. Jordan in Grifter. So that's what I did. I'm not going to lie to you. I almost (laughs) did the same thing. (laughs) <laughs> I, he's, he's got he's got a vibe for whatever and he can yeah. do he, put him put the one of the coolest actors right now as the coolest character that's kind of just what i did yeah i i kind of i thought about that too and i was like no no no, i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna i'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna move around uh, but yeah i mean i won't i won't i probably would never <laughs> argue with with michael b jordan in yeah. any role so it's it's a it's a it's it's a cop-out answer but oh yeah it doesn't matter because it's going to work. Uh, all right. I would say this has gotten me a little bit more interested in these characters. Maybe I'll take a chance and try to find some of the some of the comics and give it a read. I'm not yeah. sure. Maybe. I will let you do that and then tell me how it is. If you like them, <laughs> then I'll steal yours. Okay. All right. Well, and that was our casting of a live action Wildcats. Please join us next time for another album review. This time, John and I dive back into the well of Mortal Kombat as we discuss the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. everybody i'm Corey, and i'm zach and we're the hosts of podcasting after dark a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s often found on hbo and cinemax you know the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid you can find us every other week on apple podcasts spotify 
Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get.